I am glad that you are here. I'm glad those are in Golden City that you were there with Pastor Jim, and I am glad those are joining us online. Thank you for being a part of Oakton today. Everybody have a good week? Yes, yes yeah, great. So I was thinking about as I was, you know, how I was going to start this, because uh, this word today, it started for the youth, but it's huge. It's way bigger than this, and it could go on for weeks. And you'll see what I'm talking about here in a minute. But I was thinking about our week, what's been going on. Last week was fair and it was crazy. This week we kind of got into the routine and, and I'm going to brag on my wife for just a second. You guys all know Miss Heather right up here in the front who got our little one with her. Well, sometimes in life there are times that the old devil don't like us doing what we're doing. Okay? That's just the truth of it. But praise God, we got the victory that no matter what the old devil throws at us, we just keep marching on knowing that we have the victory, right? Amen. So I was thinking about this and how it was going to be received. And, and I thought about my lovely wife and what she, she doesn't know I'm saying this. That's why I just got this look. If you guys don't, if you guys don't know that, I get the look. So we are doing some chores for our good friends of ours while they're able to be away. And uh, my wife, you know, she's a go-getter. There's no reason that she's not worried about dog chores or cattle chores or anything like that. And she's not worried about, you know, what she's wearing. So she's out there in her sandals and she's going along and I get a phone call because I was still at the church. And, uh, she said, you're not going to believe what happened to me. And I was like, okay, what, you know? And, uh, she said, I just stepped on a snake and I just kind of started giggling or whatever. And, you know, I was like, oh, you all right? She's like, no, it bit me on the toe. <laughs> and I was like, are you kidding me? You know? And then I felt bad for laughing. And then, and then she's like, yeah. And she said, I felt it strike my toe and I looked down and it's slithering away. And then she's going along. She walks into a big spider web and couldn't find where the spider web was, you know. And then so she finishes up and, and then she says, and I'm on the phone with her trying not to laugh through this whole, you know, thing that's going on as she's playing it out. And then she's like, oh, I hope he didn't just spray me. Oh, that skunk just sprayed me. And she's like, it's, it's awful. I'm going to throw up. I can taste it, you know. Anyway, so... This is all going along. And then I hear her go, oh, no, oh, no. And she's like, I almost hit an owl in the road. <laughs> and she just keeps going. And I'm trying not to laugh. You know, then I'm like, you can't even make it up. It just keeps going, you know. And then so she gets to the other barn and she's about to, uh, she's like, I better go. I, you know, I got to feed these, these cows or whatever. And she went, oh, man, there's another spider web, you know. So anyway. I'm going to brag on her for a second because even in the spite of all that, her husband making fun of her and laughing at her, she didn't let a little snake bite. It didn't, it didn't even draw blood, I don't think. She's like, oh, it's just a garden snake, you know. And spider webs and getting sprayed by a skunk, she still finished her task, right? That was, she had a job to do. And I want us to take that example and I want us to put it in our spiritual walk. So we have a job to do. God, Jesus has given us a job to do. And we get the opportunity to do it. We get that opportunity. So we're going to be digging in here. This, as I said, this study started with the youth. So, so youth, I've already told a couple of them, this is uh, kind of the same topic, but we're going a different direction. Okay, so don't sleep, still pay attention and, and you'll be good. I'll call you out. no. <laughs> But today we're going to be talking about how there's three types of people. And now this is nothing new. This is probably going to be a refresher for almost 
all of us. But I don't want us to, to get to this mindset where we got it figured out. I don't want us getting in this mindset where we say, oh, you know what? That's for everybody else. I'm good. I'm here. I'm good. So I want us to all be in a posture to ready to be receive what the Lord has for us today. And if you were, would join me in, in preparing our hearts and our minds to receive from the Lord today and just saying, okay, God, maybe I've heard these scriptures before, but speak to me today. If you would pray that prayer with me, I ask that you, you join with me. Father God, I ask that you be here today. I ask that you speak to us. We're in expectation of what you're about to do in these next few moments. Lord, let your word become alive in our lives. We know that it is live as we sang you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, Father God, we know you're here. We know you're alive. We know that you are about to speak to us through your word today. Let it be clear. Let it be free of distraction. And Father God, let it be precise for each individual one of us, whether we're here, online, or at Golden City. It is in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Amen. So today, a lot of it came uh, from this new study Bible that my wife got me. My old study Bible, I had to glue it back together two or three times. And, you know, you have to keep it in a folder because otherwise it falls apart. So my wife and boys for Father's Day got me this awesome new study Bible and and I went from the NIV to the ESV. So a lot of times I quote NIV or New King James, but ESV is really close. But this study Bible has this awesome little inserts where we get to, you know, dive in a little bit. And so I'm going to read these, this to you. So this is, this is someone's opinion. Okay, this is the people who put this study Bible together. It's an opinion, but I agree with it. So let me, let me read with you today. So it says three types of people. First. The natural or unspiritual man or woman, 1 Corinthians 2.14, is one who has not been spiritually renewed, transformed, or born again. John 3, 3 through 7. Such a person is still controlled by natural instincts, 2 Peter 2.12. The side of human nature that resists, opposes, and defies God, Romans 8, 5 through 8. This kind of person does not have the Holy Spirit living within, Romans 8, 9, but lives under Satan's rule and influence, Acts 26, 18. As a result, the person continues to be a slave to his or her own passions, limitations, and desires, Ephesians 2, 3. Individuals in this category prefer friendship with the world over friendship with God, making themselves enemies of God, James 4.4. 4. They reject the true and right way of God's spirit, 1 Corinthians 2.14, since they are not able to understand who God is, how he works, and why they rely on human reasoning and emotions. I thought that's a pretty good way to describe the unbeliever. All of us have been there. All of us have, have, you know, gone through life, gone through the emotions of, of listening to our heart that led us astray, right? We, we are ran by our emotions. We, we don't know why these things, things don't make sense. We've been kind of lost out there. And that very well might be some of us still today. And that's okay because you're here. And you have an opportunity today to change that. But if that made sense to you or we can relate to that, let's keep going. The second person, okay? So that's person one. Here's person two. The spiritual man or woman, 1 Corinthians 2, 15, 3, 1, 
is one who has been spiritually renewed and transformed through a personal faith in Jesus Christ and has a relationship with Jesus Christ. Such a person has the Holy Spirit living within. Romans 8, 9, and 11. This person is spiritually minded and understands the truth about what God has given and made available to all who receive the Spirit and His wisdom. 1 Corinthians 2, 11 through 13. And he or she lives by the Holy Spirit's guidance. Romans 8, 4 through 17. Galatians 5, 16 through 26. Individuals who are guided by God's Spirit have yielded their lives to Jesus Christ and His leadership. They strive to follow Him with the help and power of the Holy Spirit who lives in and through Him. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 2 Timothy 1, 14. As a result, they are able to resist ungodly and destructive desires and to overcome the influence of their sinful nature. Romans 8, 13 through 14. And so I would call that person someone who's on fire. That's my terminology, right? Someone who is uh, all in. Somebody who's not looking back. They've burned the ships of their old life and they're all in. And I want that for each of us today. I want that for my life. I want it for my wife. I want it for my boys. I want it for all of us today to be all in. But unfortunately, until we get to heaven or Jesus comes back, there's this little thing called sin. And the great thing about whenever we get to heaven, you guys realize, you know, we know there's no sin. But there's not even the temptation of sin. That's going to be a good day. Amen? That's going to be a good day. But right now, we still have the opportunity to serve him in our earthly realm that we're in. And with that comes along this thing called being stagnant. Okay? You guys know what stagnant water is, it's gross, has bad bacteria in it, it's not any good. We as Christians, even if we do nothing, are in trouble of becoming stagnant. And so let me read this third type of person. And, and, I, and I fear, maybe Oakton, maybe not now, but in the past, and I don't want it in the future, or maybe there's churches across this land and... Me, myself, I can relate to what I'm about to read. And that's why I'm excited that after I read this, we're going to dig in and see what that looks like on a personal level. Okay, so the third person. Not all Christians, however, make their required effort to fully overcome the sinful nature. In addressing the Corinthians, Paul points out, 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3, that some of them were being in a worldly or unspiritual manner. Instead of continuously resisting the pull of their sinful nature towards sin, they often give in to at least some sinful behavior. Although they are not living continually in disobedience, they are in the process of compromising with the world's beliefs and behaviors and their own sinful nature. Such people are giving the devil an opportunity to gain influence in areas of their lives while they still wanted to be a part of God's people. That's verses 10, or chapter 10, 21, 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18, and 11, 3, and 13, 5. The condition of a worldly Christian for this group, sin and rebellion did not fully control their lives, nor had they been involved in the immoral and ungodly behaviors that would completely separate them from God's kingdom, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, Galatians 5, 12, and Ephesians 5, 5. Yet... 
They were behaving in such a way that they were no longer growing in their relationship with God. I'm going to read that line one more time. Yet they were behaving in such a way that they were no longer growing in their relationship with God. They were acting as immature believers who did not fully understand what it meant to follow Christ and how it would affect their daily lives. And that's 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And so going by that description, you know, we can talk about it different ways. I use the words, you know, the non-believer, the believer who's all in, and then somebody who's maybe kind of worldly, who knows the truth but worldly. Going by that description, that might be a lot of us. Going by that description, it might very well be us today who were on fire for the Lord. But, you know, things happen and, and next thing we know, we're just kind of over here going through the motions. But I got a good news for you. I heard this at men's retreat and I haven't forgot it. The fact that you're still in the struggle is a good thing because that means you have not been overcome. So it's a good thing. It's a good thing we're here. The good news is we get the opportunity to do something about it. And that's why at the beginning I thought, man, I, I need to make sure I get rid of any kind of self-pride as I was doing this study. I got to make sure I don't have it all, think I have it all figured out and make sure I'm still moldable so that I can relate to this. Because just so you know, it, it's kind of easy to be a little self-righteous. You check all the boxes, you go through the motions, you're there every Sunday, you do all the right things. Next thing you know, you go, I got it. I'm good. But yet, doing nothing, not continuing recentering on God, we have the fearful opportunity to drift. And we don't want that. I don't think anybody in this room would say, yeah, that, I signed up for that one. No. Not, not one. We signed up to be all in, right? When you accepted Christ, all in, no matter what, leave the past behind, I'm in. And so as we dig into this today, I'm reminded of my own testimony. A lot of you guys know it. I'm just going to be brief. Uh, I don't want to go into it too much. But the big part about it is that I can say, yes, that happened to me, is that I knew the truth and I heard the truth and I lived the truth right up until the world slapped me in the face and I had to actually back up what I was saying or not. And unfortunately, I didn't. And what I used to think was wrong, I used to think, uh, whoa, well, that's bad. The Holy Spirit would give me a good check in the Spirit and I would repent. After I kept ignoring the Holy Spirit, what happened was eventually it no longer felt wrong and I was living in a world where I had no problem with the sin that I was committing and it became normal. Those of you that know me knew I, I didn't hide it because I didn't think it was wrong. I wasn't embarrassed. Unfortunately, thank the Lord that he said enough is enough. And those things that I no longer thought were wrong, all of a sudden I had that check in the spirit again. And I think if the, whole, if the church as a whole is not careful, we are okay with sin. That's wrong. This is one of the reasons it's important to come to this class that we're starting next week. Take the, the UMC, take the denomination out of it. We want to disaffiliate with sin. As a whole, as a congregation, as a body of Christ, with Christ as a center. 
And so let today be the, the jumpstart to that. Let today be the, the, the refreshing that we need to have that mindset saying, yes, I don't want that in my life. I only want to be all in. And I don't want to be, uh, I want to be careful not to drift into this third person that we're going to see some examples of. And so as I was, I was preparing this, the Lord said, you need to tell them why. Why is this a big deal? There's a lot of arguments say, oh, they're still saved. Still going to make it to heaven. So why is this a big deal? Why do we need to talk about this as a church? And that's what we're going to be digging into. First scripture I have for you is Luke 9, 23. This is a verse that I would call probably a, a life verse for me when I was a born again believer and filled with the Holy Spirit. This just clicked with me because I wanted to be a disciple of Christ. And it says, uh, the ESV version says, and he, Jesus is talking, he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. In my mind, my memorization, I have whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. See, this account is in Matthew and in Mark, but Luke, he decided to put in there daily. And I think it's so important. I think we need to be dying to self daily. And just like the Corinthians we're going to look at here in a second, you know, they were still doing the right things, but they were drifting. And I think it's because their daily walk were not re-centered on him. One thing that uh, helped this study is I was, I was studying Samson. Okay, we were, I was doing a devotional about stronger men's and it was taking the life of Samson and and how uh you know the the things that he did and he struggled with and so that led a lot of this um kind of where to the point where it started the study uh mainly because you guys know the story of Samson I'm gonna go ahead and dig into it Samson was this guy who before he was born was called to be a Nazarite. And I had to look that up. You know, I knew the Nazarene thing. But a Nazarite oath meant before they were even born, the mother would drink no alcohol. When the child was born, they would drink no alcohol. They would not cut their hair or touch anything dead. And it was very strict. You can look in Numbers. Uh, I can't remember what chapter, but you can read it. It's very strict. If someone happened to die in their presence... No fault of their own. They didn't even go in front of them. They had to start their whole process all over, shave their head and, and everything. And they had to do all these sacrifices just to get the opportunity to start again to be a Nazarite. Okay, so it was a big deal, uh, especially back then. And so whenever the angel of the Lord came to Samson's mother, she was barren and said, he shall be a Nazarite. And she, it meant something. She knew it, right? And you guys know the story. Uh, you know, there's three things he's not supposed to do. He for sure did two of them. There's people that argue that he did all three before his first wedding. You know, he partied whenever he got the guys to gamble with them. And anyway, so not only did he mess that up, he uh, went to the Philistines to find a wife, which was the enemy, right? And he's just constantly messing up. It says the Lord is still with him, though. One of the times, you know, in fact, to, to cover his debt, he went and killed 30 guys and gave them the, 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 what he got from that is to pay his debt. Because his future wife was deceived him. You think he would have caught on. And then another time he went to go see a prostitute and they tried to kill him. And he snuck out and he took the whole gates of the whole city with him and threw them on the hill. 
And then another time, whenever they come to get him, and this is the one he's really commonly known for, uh, you know, he, he couldn't be bound, but the, the Israelites said, hey, <laughs> we kind of need to bind you. Would you be willing to? And he's like, yeah, as long as you don't try to hurt me, I'll go. And he's bound, you know, these fresh ropes, and he goes down there. Of course, they break. And he takes what? The jawbone, right? The dead thing. And kills a thousand Philistines, right? Before that, talk about the dead thing. This was, I found this interesting, kind of gross. But on his way to his first wife to grab her, he killed a lion, ripped it apart with his bare hands. And then when he went back to get her with his parents, he found a honeycomb in the carcass of the dead lion. And he scooped it up and was eating the honey. He even gave some to his parents. Said, here you go. Check this out. This is good stuff. Dead things, right? So very obviously not caring about who he was as a Nazarite. And he goes on. You guys know the story of Samson and Delilah. And you think, what are you going on? You know, what kind of power does this woman have over him that she lies to him three times? He breaks open, you know, every time he, she did his hair, she strapped him up, all this stuff. And then he finally gave in, told her that his strength is because nobody had cut his hair and went to sleep on her lap, you know, and I'm thinking must have been a good sleep, you know. And then somebody comes in and shaves his head. But this is what got me thinking about this study. Samson rose. She said, Samson, the Philistines are upon you, you know, like she did every time. And he jumped up and he said, I'll slay him just like I did before. But it says that the Lord had left him. How sad is that? That's hard to even read, you know. And I was comparing myself to, you know, I mean, never been, never been known as a strong guy. But comparing myself as, like, boy, I've messed up a lot. People could look at my life and say, golly, Joe, didn't you ever get it? Didn't you ever just catch on to, hey, maybe you shouldn't be doing this stuff? And he jumped up and he said, I'll go slay him just like I always did. What caught my attention is the fact that he was so in the world. He was supposed to be a Nazarite. This strong, he knew the, the Lord gave him strength. He even said it comes from me not cutting his hair, all this stuff. He was so used to being part of the world, he did not realize the Lord had left him. Let that soak in. Let's put that into perspective today. Are we the type of people that are so in the routine of, of going to church and, and saying we're Christians, but we're still of the world that we don't even realize the Lord's not with us anymore? And when something happens, we jump up and say, I'm going to do it just like I always do. And we fall flat on our face. I pray that we don't have to find that situation before we get re-centered. Let's not get to the point where we fall flat on our face. Let's get to the point today, we get the opportunity today to re-center. To put Christ first. To be able to say, yes, I'm all in. This summer we had a great summer with the youth. We had a revival. We had uh, Stockton camp out. We had one camp and then we had Kansas City VBS. You guys heard the testimonies of that there's a lot of people in this room and online that had a mountaintop experience this summer. Let's make sure that that mountaintop experience doesn't go away because we're in a new season. Let's make sure that that mountaintop experience 
doesn't go away because of something that we are allowing in. See, we have the opportunity to be able to recenter. So one of the reasons why, and I'm going to have to buzz through this really quick, but I think it's important that I get to it. 2 Corinthians 11.3, why it's important, says, Paul's talking, he tells the Corinthians, but I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray by a, from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Led astray. And then 2 Corinthians, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. If you got your Bibles, I'll be reading out of the ESV. It's up here too. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to start reading in verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with the unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. And I will let and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing, then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. And I'm going to read verse 1 out of chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, 1. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness and completion in the fear of God. So there's a lot of times when we make it look good on the outside. We're almost professionals at it. Where we make it look good on the outside, we answer everybody, everything's good. But I think the Holy Spirit gives us some discernment. You guys ever seen that where somebody says, oh yeah, I'm good, but you know they're not? I think the same thing happens whenever I say I'm good. And usually if Pastor Ken or Pastor Jim goes, what's up? (laughs) What's, What's going on? And they can tell, right? They have the Holy Spirit. They have that gift of discernment in them. And so one thing that I want us to be aware of is if we can tell it, the world can tell it. Okay, so if we're just going through emotions and we're just saying everything's good, we got like whitewashed tombs, right? Everything looks good on the outside and you're trying to witness to people, they can see it. They're not going to want to have what you have because it doesn't look appealing. So we need to make sure we are right on the inside. We get the opportunity to be right on the inside. We get the opportunity to know Jesus personally. My oldest son, we had a, a lady come and repair our, our washer because we couldn't fix it ourselves. You know, that's humbling in itself, but couldn't, couldn't get it fixed. And, and she was there, and, and I wasn't home, but Heather overheard Dalton say, do you know who God is? <laughs> she said, what? And, she's, and he said, do you know God? And she said, yeah. And he went, okay, good, because he's in my heart, you know. And he was just free willing to spread it. And sometimes, you know, Jesus said to be like the little children. I think we need to be just as free, that childlike faith, and be dependent on him and let him work through us. Get outside our comfort zone sometime. 
So it's one little step of obedience at a time. One of the things that uh, I want to I get to before we close, turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and I'm going to be starting in verse 5. Romans 8, 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, are we debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh? For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, you, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And I got one more verse for you. In Galatians 7, or chapter 6, I'm going to start in verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will come flesh, well, from the flesh will reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. My old memorization started kicking in there. I started quoting the, the New King James the NIV and I just needed to read it there. So many times we live in a world where we give in to the flesh. So many times we live in a position where we say, I'm not getting outside my comfort zone. Not today. And so many times Jesus wants to work through us. Every day I believe Jesus gives us opportunities to work through us. Maybe it's our actions. Maybe it's our words. Maybe right now he's given us an opportunity to do something big. If you remember, Romans 8.1 says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But I'm going to encourage you guys today that if the Holy Spirit has, has given you a little nudge, given you a little push or a tug, however you want to say it, and you feel something on the inside that's saying, maybe I need to do something. I want to encourage you today with this. This is a chance to do a little self-reflection. This is a chance that we get the opportunity to do something about what we've read today. It's one of the reasons I like to read it from the Word. Is this, you guys hear it just the way it says it. 
I don't want to get in the way of what the Lord's talking through his written word that's alive. And we get an opportunity here in just a minute. And so I'd like to invite the praise team up. They want to go ahead and come up. And as they, as they come up, I want us to focus in and get an opportunity to self-examine our lives. Maybe all the way from this morning. Maybe this weekend. Maybe this last week. See, every day we have an opportunity to sow into the flesh or sow into the spirit. But here's the thing. You don't get an opportunity not to. You don't have a choice. Every day we sow into something. Every day. You have to choose what you're sowing into. So if you look back, if you can reflect and say, uh, yeah, I might have missed it. I might have, you know, messed that up. Whatever it is, that's okay. That's fine. Because you made it through and you're here today. The question you have to ask yourself is, what happens when it comes back around? What are you going to do then? See, if you're okay with doing the wrong thing again and you don't feel bad about it in the Holy Spirit, you're not allowing him to move, that's where there's a problem. Because Jesus said he's going to forget everything in your past as far as the east is from the west. But today matters. Today's the day we get to say, okay, God, I hear you. And guess what? I'm not going to do it wrong again. I'm going to do my best. Does that mean we're going to make it perfect? No. But we don't give an excuse. We don't use that as an excuse to mess up. We don't use that as an excuse to go do what we want to do. Because if we continue to sow into the flesh, it says we will reap corruption or destruction, whichever version you want to read. Either way, it doesn't sound good. But if we sow into the Spirit, we get an opportunity to reap eternal life. We get the opportunity to do something in God's kingdom. And so one of the things that's on my heart, and please hear my heart, think big picture. Don't think just right now. Think big picture. If we, as believers who've been coming to church for years, can't get outside our comfort zones, how do we expect a new believer who's still in the spiritual milk, who hasn't even got to the meat yet, how do we expect them to get outside theirs? We get to be the example. Some of that, and I, I just know my heart, the Lord's been dealing with me on this for weeks, maybe months. If we can't get outside our comfort zone to maybe sit a little farther forward, maybe push these youth out of the way. I'm not saying on the front row. So the reason my heart says this is because I invite a lot of people to church. I invite a lot of people to church and I always say this, you're welcome to sit with me. And I had one gentleman, he was grabbing some scrap from us and I think he, you know, maybe lived a, a rough life. And he, he just stopped what he was doing. He looked right at me and he said, you'd let me sit with you? Well, yeah, you come to church, you got, I got a seat for you, you know, of course. And then I realized, I said, oh, by the way, it's on the front row. <laughs> so far, nobody's joined us on the front row. But it made me think, what if we were a congregation that set apart from any other church? 
Because I think we're called to be. We do stuff here at Oakton that nobody else does. Why? Because if it was easy, everybody would be doing it, okay? We do stuff a little bit different, and I think it's because we hear from the Holy Spirit. And so my challenge to this body, let's get outside our comfort zone. Let's make room for the ones who maybe aren't as experienced as we are. Let's make room and be the example to the ones who are still in that newborn spiritual milk. They haven't quite got to the meat yet. And one way we can be the example of that is if we get off the milk ourselves. See, that doesn't matter. There's not a time limit on that. It could be quick or it could be slow. The good news is we have the opportunity to do something about it today. So to wrap things up, if you have found yourself as the non-believer today, when I read that explanation of number one, I encourage you to come talk to me. Come talk to somebody. Don't leave here today without getting prayed for because you're here. Today's the day. Let today be the day forever changed. And if you're a number two person who's on that mountaintop, you're all in, you're on fire, keep it up. Keep it up. There's an old saying I like that whenever you're, you're down, you need the church, but when you're up, the church needs you. So if you're up and you're on fire for the Lord, keep it up. Tell somebody, go do something, bring somebody along with you. Be the church. Don't hide it. Get outside your comfort zone. But if we're the number third person, the third person today, if we're in that third category, where we believe, we know, but yet something of the world keeps dragging us away. It could be our flesh. Good chances it's our flesh. Maybe it's something on the inside. Maybe it's something that nobody else knows. Maybe it's something that we think we're hiding. But the Holy Spirit knows. And so if that's you today, let's change it. We get the opportunity. The fact you're still in the struggle is a good thing because you're here. You have not been defeated. You are a victor through Jesus Christ. You have the good news. You have the ability to change the circumstances around you, not because of our own doing, but because of Jesus Christ. As Joel said before I started talking, we can remember what he's already done. If you need a reminder of what the Lord's done, go talk to somebody who looks like maybe they're on fire. Ask them, what do you got that I, I'm missing? Because I'm here to tell you the Lord's ready to do something big. And I got a pretty good feeling that it's going to start with us. And maybe a few more that aren't here today, okay? We're not excluding them if they're not here. But it's going to start with Oakton. And then it's going to spread like a wildfire. And we're going to just fan that flame. And we're going to invite people in. And we're going to give up our seats. And we're going to make sure people feel welcome. And we're going to invite them in our homes. And we're going to open up our hearts to be able to love on people as Jesus loved on people. If we're willing to get outside our comfort zone. That's the challenge today. These altars are open. Praise team's going to sing. 
These altars are open. It's up to you. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you are here today. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are moving amongst us now. Let this congregation be full of bold believers who are fearless in you. Father God, move amongst this congregation so that we do stand out in a good way. Let us be the trailblazers that that take the path on. Help us to be the ones that aren't afraid of, of what the world thinks. Help us to be the ones that give up our flesh and listen to your spirit daily. Help us start right here with me. Move amongst us now. Thank you for the opportunity we have right now. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. In in the name of Jesus, we take authority over this room right now. Those online. Get rid of all distractions. You must leave in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for your presence. Move amongst us now. In Jesus' name, amen.